Well, Lammy, here we are, another week. Another week. Another investigation. That's and, uh, right. So last week, right, we we had we had Sasha on. Yeah. Talking about UFOs and abductions, uh, everything else, and obviously when we started out, you weren't too sure about whether he believed or he didn't, or you know. Some really interesting stuff, but this week we're chatting to someone who's done so much stuff. I was just having a look at his background, and he's been on Most Haunted, Granada Reports, Richard and Judy, Strange but True. The list just rolls on, Foxy. On and on and on. He's, he's an ordinary bloke, really. He's called Steve Murner. Well, they say ordinary. We're all ordinary, aren't we? He's the chairman of MAPIT, the Manchester Association of Paranormal Investigation and Training, the founder of the Scientific Establishment of Parapsychology, and much, much more. So, uh, Without further ado, without me waffling on like I, I tend to do, we'll, we'll bring him on. So here he is, it's Steve Mero. Let's do it. Hi. Hi, Hi mate. guys, how are you doing? Hi, Steve. <laughs> That's a great intro, thanks. Do you know, I'm so glad that you didn't read through the whole thing. I've been on some, and it's we spent 20 minutes going through the history, you know? <laughs> yeah. <there laughs> could done be... so much in 39 years, as you can imagine. Yeah. You know? but, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff, like what you said, I've, I know Sasha quite well, so... Um, and uh, her experiences are quite profound. Quite yeah. Profound. It's really interesting, isn't she? It's blown your mind, hasn't it, Gina, from the way you, you approached the subject from day one, really? Oh, yeah, because I'm, I, you mm. know, I'm not really... I don't know that much about any of these kind of areas that we're covering, so it's quite exciting and new, and I was kind of quite sceptic, but it's, it's just been a massive learning curve, and she's so interested in the stuff well, yeah. she, she says. And, you know, it, has, she's... it has for me. It has for me. I mean, I started on the subject in 1983, yeah. um, investigating, and uh, I came into the subjects pretty... Well, green, you could say, but also quite sceptical. You know, I thought there could be rational explanations for pretty much everything. Mm. Um, and uh, I heavily got into the UFO stuff. Now, back in that day, you know, in the early 80s, my mentors were telling me that uh, the UFO phenomena constitutes something which is nuts and bolts craft, yeah. likely to be some extraterrestrial beings traveling the vast distances of space, coming from their planet to ours, or visitors. Mm-hmm. And uh, and interacting with people, and I took that verbatim. You know, why wouldn't I? You know, mm-hmm. that was a general idea then. Um, but as time's gone on, we've realised actually that's massively, massively different than what we're actually finding. And most current research in the subject of UFOs, which is now being termed UAP, yeah, yeah, uh, for all those which have been following all the recent stuff over the last few years. Seems to me like it's just a, a reboot, trying to trying to not go back to the days of UFOs. I mean, there's 70 years of UFO stuff the, the governments have, and so, they can't tell me they don't know stuff. You know, they, to turn around now and say, look, you know, on this UAP report to Congress, that we don't know much, uh, we require more analysis and more funding is just uh, preposterous. Preposterous. Yeah. You know, Steve. some of the incidents that we know, the, the massive incidents that have taken place, a lot more interesting than the ones that we were talking about, the Nimitz and the Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Jane, what were you saying? Uh, sorry, I was just going to say, on thinking about what you're talking about there, 
what do we currently know about UFOs? You know, compared to seventy years ago, what? Well, yeah. How many sightings I mean, not... has, there, has there been now compared to then? You know, what? Well, what here's a typical. I'll give you a typical scenario. Okay, um, though we can't get statistical surveys from all countries around the world because some just won't play ball. You know, yeah. they all want to keep the details to themselves. Um, what we know is that a UFO is approximately seen every eight seconds. Wow. Every eight seconds. Wow. Now, it, we have to take be conservative and say, okay, well, you know, some of those might be misidentifications. Some of them are maybe hoaxes. But it still leaves a huge, huge amount. Even if it was one every 30 seconds, as an example, it still leaves a huge amount of objects. Now, where are they all coming from? Well, if they're coming in from outside Earth, you know, all these uh, UFOs, then we should find some evidence of it because anything passing through Earth's ionosphere leaves ion and an ionic wake. It's like a, a boat in through, through water. It leaves a wake behind it, yeah. which is easily measurable by the guys that do uh, SETI, places like that. And I've talked to these SETI guys, and they said, do you know what? Space is unusually quiet. <laughs> That's what their response was. It's unusually quiet. And I said, well, you know, do you know that they do get some anomalies that do track backwards and forwards through Earth's atmosphere sometimes, which are anomalous, but nothing to that amount. So are you saying that it, like, what I'm getting from this is then, that it's not what we were thinking for years, that these were crafts flying here, as as you might imagine, but it's something much bigger Mm. than this. So you're basically saying that UFOs are either here or might have some sort of more connection with the paranormal. Well, what, what, I'm, what I'm saying, Liam, is the fact that when we look at the research, we find that the UFO phenomena, whatever we want to call this stuff, this stuff, has been with us from day one. It's always been here. It's been right under our noses. The ruse is to think about interplanetary travel from other alien worlds. It's very Star trek that idea. Mm. Fits mm. perfectly well in with our theory of science fiction. But well, the realism of it is that this phenomenon is right under our nose and it can manifest. These craft can just suddenly manifest like a bulb switching on and disappear and dematerialize. So where they're going, the idea is, is that more likely that these are interdimensional and traveling between realities, ours and theirs. Okay. But we're finding that there's evidence to back that up now. We're finding statistical research shows that UFOs are appearing more so in areas around the world where what we refer to are uh, positive magnetic anomalies, high magnetic anomalies. And now these are graphed by satellites, which you can view using Google Earth, uh, using specialized filters for electromagnetic detection. And you can see these areas in the dark purple in color. Now, if you do a statistical look at what's taking place in these areas, well, we did. We looked at 2,000 of the best cases ever reported on record about UFOs, about real contact cases, those sort of things. And they were all, like 96% of them are in these locations, and that's far too much by chance. There's got to be a correlation. Now, NASA announced two years ago, during a mission known as the MMS mission, sending four special probes into into orbit of Earth, yeah. mm. that they were uh, magnetic anomalies out there. And that these magnetic anomalies were portals. They're, this is their own words. I mean, I, I hate the word portal. I think it's very 
you know, mystical and magical and all that stuff, fantasy stuff, but it isn't. Because NASA have announced, using the word portals, there are sustainable portals outside of Earth and the vast. And where they go, they don't know. So what's been, what's utilising them? There could be a phenomenon that's utilising these things. Just so much as we have with the paranormal phenomenon, where we suddenly have manifestations of paranormal things taking place, yeah. we simply have the UFO stuff taking place. So my know? work over the last 10 years was trying to find the connections between the paranormal and the UFO stuff, because I believe that there was obviously some significant connections. Yeah. I, I always find personally that I, I'm always kind of look at this trajectory and how do aliens cope with G-force? Because I know humans can only cope with so much G-force. So, yeah. you know, physically, yeah. mathematically, the, the, the whole sort of gravity question of when people see a UFO and then they say it whizzes off. I mean, how do they yeah, stop absolutely. and then I mean, whiz off? Is it a different stuff, gravity? Is it a, you know, I, 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 that always sort of baffles me. Yeah, it baffles me too, but you know, when we I don't look have the at answers, the by the way, Steve. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it is baffling because it's not our physics. We're dealing with a physics which is beyond our known knowledge of the physics that we understand. When we look at video footage of these objects, they, there was a recent one that was seen passing into water. It moved into, it was flying across the sky, entered into the sea, mm. but it didn't leave a wake. And uh, it is as if the sea wasn't there for it. You know, it wasn't, it just doesn't, in, our physical world was not interacting with it. So I'm only assuming that under the, under the scientific theories that these create some type of space bubble around themselves where they don't feel the inertias and they don't feel the physicality mm. of the earth around them. This is why we have UFOs that seriously <coughs> are seen into volcanoes into hillsides, into mountains, into forests. They just seem to disappear into them. I mean, they're seemingly passing through solid items, yeah. you know, including the sea like we see on the, on this particular... I think as well, to a certain extent, you know, that people listening who, who don't know much about UFOs, obviously none of us do, really, but um, to, to put it in the context of something that is travelling into dimensions or uh, through portals or whatever you want to be or, or, or different physics... Seems mm. actually more likely, m more interesting because we as human beings, to me, always think we, you know, we're the cleverest thing in the universe. Mm. But we're not. We're just we're not <laughs> yeah. the cleverest thing on the planet, really. But um, yeah. Uh, but this this seems to to me to, to to make more sense that it doesn't make any sense if you know what I mean. It's true. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, we know about the vast distances of space. And we used to think, you know, in time, we'll have engines that can travel at light speed and take us to these other stars and planets. But even at light speed, we're talking generation ships. We're talking, you know, you won't reach there, but your kids or your grandkids might do. You know, that's how long even at light speed we're going to be looking at this. Um, it sounds to me that, you know, some type of very intelligent civilizations may have found an easier path, an easier way of jumping through uh, locations from place to place by simply dimensions yeah. utilising quantum physics quantum realities this is where it seems really all leading to Liam because the, the, the most common research now uh, which is taking place at high levels is about the conscious connection between the UFOs and the observers 
and that these things are interdimensional, they're jumping in and out of our reality, and they're very closely associated with the paranormal. Well, this I'll, I'll I mean, mention my, do... my experience, I mentioned you briefly, we had a, yeah. a chat before this, yeah. but just for anybody listening, it was, it was 1998, and I'm uh, sat outside the house in, in Manchester, I mentioned this briefly on the last bro- broadcast, I think, but basically I was, I was really chilled out and I looked out, and there, there was this 100-foot-long, cigar-shaped, gunmetal grey thing, uh, no lights, no sound, just travelling at some... Well, it, it was sort of static above me at first, and then it just shot towards Manchester at this incredible speed and, 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 and into nothingness. And I'd not been drinking, I'd not been anything, it was just a normal day, but but I was really relaxed. And, and I would say, potentially, heading towards a meditative state because I was so chilled out when I saw it. Hmm. So mm. whether that enabled yeah. me to see it or not, I don't know. And, well, and again, it's a bit... Possibility. Sometimes people are just brought to the occasion of being be able to see it. And we've had situations like that many times when half the country should be seeing these things, only a handful of people do. Well, Why yeah. do only a handful, a handful of people witness these things is beyond me. That's really one of the real strange... Yeah, I, I don't get, get that either. I always kind of think, you know, why why do they present themselves to certain people? Why don't they just come down and say, you know, hello, you're all right, to everybody? Yeah, I mean, it's no different. They never seem to park people. up, do they? And kind yeah, of... I mean, it's the same for people that see, claim they've seen ghosts things like that. And yeah. Only certain people tend to, other people say, oh, no, I've never seen anything. You know, there's obviously a significant difference, difference between the people who are observing these things. I mean, a typical scenario was during um, an, an investigation in 1997 in Morecambe, they had a poltergeist infestation, poltergeist stuff going on there. And there was an incident where there was an apport, a mug, had a portrait, and it was placed on the side. Uh, so we turned around to pick up the mug, it had gone, just completely vanished. Didn't turn up till 96 minutes later in a completely different location of the house. It was wow. an apport. We tend to get that in poltergeist cases. But for the very first time, we thought it'd be interesting to analyse this apple. So the good thing for us is that the person who owned this book had a set of four of them. She bought them at Christmas, and we were, were allowed to take away the apple mug and test it against a normal mug, you know, which yeah. they had in the yeah. collection. Exactly the same. And under we put it under a microscopy. It's a specialised microscope which looks at, looks at the... Uh, the compounds of the mug at an atomic level and what we found was the apported mug was nothing like the mug the normal mug in fact if you were to try and identify it on a scale you'd say more likely according to the analysis it's not even the mug that left wow but yet it feels wow. the same and weighs what, what, the same what was the you know it, what was the outcome of that then what, what was the material you know, how, well, how would the, you the describe? material was ceramics, but they had gone through some strange diathermic reaction, something we'd never seen before. Now, um, sometime later, we noticed there was another form of diathermic reaction, which is almost identical to it. Um, and that was when a UFO was seen uh, to, to suddenly appear close to the ground, and it affected the plants in its area. So some specialised guys came out, scientists, and took plants for analysis, this is known as chemical traumatology of the plants. We wanted to check why did it look strange, these plants? Have they been affected by the UFO? Mm. And when they analysed it, they found the same diathermic reactions in the plants. So really then, if we're looking at the physics of it, could a UFO that suddenly appears from nowhere and a, a mug 
that appears from nowhere, you'd be utilising the very same physics here, linking the paranormal with the UFO stuff, you know? Um, and there are other things, there are many other things that link the, these two things together. But I've, I've become very suspicious about alien encounters and, you know, what did he really want? You know, I mean, mm. if you really want Earth to be a lot better, then they could make those changes. Yeah. You don't tend to seemingly to be too bothered about humanity. It's quite happy for us to just carry on doing what we're doing yeah. and raging war around the world. Um, they don't seem to bother too much about that. But I have to look back in time. It seems that there's been a phenomena right from the days of biblical days, if not before, um, you know, documented history. There's always been this. But it has different masks. It's appeared in different ways. If it's not biblical angels coming from a flying shield, yeah. it's, it's it's alien greys or it's 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 um, the, the space brothers of the 1950s. And there's things on paint, it, old paintings, isn't there, and yeah. on, on, on caveman etchings as well, which is exactly. Crazy. They, they seem to have a way of masking maybe what the real concept is. Uh, because as we look through history, we had phenomena like UFOs that look like airships, mysterious airships in the airship days. Um, we had phantom rockets in the 1940s, the Foo Fighters, you know, balls of bright light during the Second World War. Yeah. yeah. But the descriptions of entities have changed. And, and some of them, you know, you look at these things, you say, well, it looks to be that they've just changed the way they perceive, uh, we perceive them. How we perceive the crafts, how we perceive them have changed. But, you know, for many years, people used to say, well, there's different factions. You know, the, the Greys are one type of alien being from some place, and uh, the Palladians are a lot humanoid, and they're the good guys. The good guys don't mix with the Greys. Well, you know, when we come across cases like Travis Walton, for an example, who was taken for five days, his incident, when he, he was on this craft, he saw both. He saw not only these human-looking grey, uh, human-looking beings, Nordic-type beings, yeah. but also saw grey aliens as well. But I did question him. I said, look, could it be when you woke up on this table and you looked around and saw these three small grey beings, when you panicked, they ran out of the room, didn't they? And he said, yes. I said, well, what happened next? He said, well, I walked down the corridors and eventually somebody approached me who was a humanoid. I said, but were they? Or did you just change the perception of them for you to sort of be able to handle that experience a bit yeah. better? You know, because we have to question why we got two different sources in the same incident, you know. So, wow. But, you know, I'm, whatever there is, there is a true phenomenon out there taking place. And it's like there was this CE5 confident. group as well, Steve, who um, supposedly yeah. think that they can communicate with, with other forms of life via mm. telepathy. I mean... Is that something to be encouraged or, or, or not well, from I your point of view? Well, I wouldn't say it's encourageable. I mean, you know what? The people have asked me, when was the first um, alleged aliens? I always say alleged because it's what they tell us. We come from this planet. Blah, 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 blah. But are we being told the truth? I do not know. Mm. But uh, those first type of incidents started playing in, in 1908 was the first one. Alistair Crowley, he was a practitioner in the occult, uh, quite well known, um, was doing this specialised form of Egyptian mediumship. And this thing came through and claimed it was some type of interdimensional entity, scared him to death to, enough for him not to practice that anymore. Wow. Um, and he gave the name Lamb, you know, uh, to this thing. 
uh, very similar to a grey, really, looking at it. Yeah. Now, in later days, in, in Norfolk, we had something known as the Skull Experiment that took place in the 80s and 90s. And, um, and they had these aliens mm -hmm. again through during these seances. In fact, to the point where they lost control of the seances and had to stop doing it. These things have been coming through in mediumistic circles for a long time. It's the same for the Vril Society in in in, um, in Germany during the Second World War. They were doing exactly the same thing. In fact, they were great gaining information about advanced technologies and trying to implement them into their vehicles, uh, into flying craft. Gosh. But the, the whole thing about this all being associated with the paranormal, there's strong evidence for it. I wouldn't advise it's the best thing to do because, you know, we don't know if we're being deceived. I mean, we've there's been questions been set out for these people, whatever these things are. You know, we thought, okay, well, we get to a point where contact's so good, we can ask questions. And questions were filled out and took into these seances to communicate with these beings. And they answered the questions before we even gave the question gave the question wow. the answer wow. so where did it get the information from they must have got it from the sitters so they know what we're thinking so they can deliver whatever they want to say it you makes know, me wonder um, as well how, because it's, how do we know it's been going on obviously for thousands thousands of years yeah maybe yeah. they don't want anything because you think you kind of think well no why are they not maybe they're just observing i, or I think they just want to i think Liam, they just want to go about their own agenda um, and they don't really care too much about us, you know. We've got though that we do have a number of societies that think it's all love and light. Yeah. You know. Um, but you know, I've always said to people when I've lectured around the world, I said, look, take the UFO phenomena for what it is. Don't just look at one side of it. Look at the whole of it. Because if you there was an incident in 1977, 1978, in a small village known as Calaris of the of Brazil. And they were actually invaded. These craft came from the sea and uh, they fired pencil beam lights down on these people, these villagers. They ran for their lives. Mm -hmm. But what they couldn't get away from it because the beams had the capability of traveling, passing through walls, the roofs of houses, and hitting them in bed whilst they were asleep. They suddenly wake up in tremendous pain, not being able to move until the incident was over. But afterwards, afterwards, they found that nearly all all of them is that their iron content was taken out of their bodies. Some of them even died. You know, there's been people which have died through having these experiences. So where's the love and light there? And yeah. I've said to these people, you know, if you're going to look at talk about UFOs, look at it as a whole. That people might have believed that they're having some good experiences, but let's not ignore the fact that some people have traumatic experiences and wish they'd never had that encounter. You know, so it's, mm. it's kind of uh, it's like a flip of a coin, really. We don't know what we're going to experience when we have these encounters. That's the problem. Making me wonder whether we should have started this. <laughs> 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 we had to when we're talking to before there was some weird kind of. Stuff started to interfere with the recording. Then I could, could hear something in the background. I thought, hang on, it. Are they, are they, are they tuning into our recording? There were some strange beeps there, weren't they? Gee, something, something going on. Oh. They can suppress the belief, no, but the belief will return, Foxy. They've been around for a long time, and um, and the US government are pretty much got the finger on the ball there, really. Um, but you know, all this recent stuff. I came out three years ago and said, look, I argued the point that this white tic-tac ufo everyone's talking about yeah. is more likely some exotic drone that we're flying we're testing 
because I've talked with, with people in the in the military and uh, they said to me, you know, that location where the military zone is, where they carry out naval exercises, there's no planes that can fly over apart from theirs. There's yeah. no boats that can pass by. You know, it's in an area where it's completely locked down for the military mm. and the Navy. It's 47 miles out at sea, so you can't see what's going on. It's, it could be in a new Area 51. It's a perfect location for it. To be honest with you. So you think and a lot of it is that? It's, it's all testing stuff. A, a, a lot of it's got to be, be, hasn't it? Yeah. Got to. Got to be testing stuff. I mean, yeah. we, if we go back to 1973, we had uh, the aircraft pilots then and were flying things like Starfighters. And suddenly they were they were suddenly flying out and about doing a normal routine and they came across what they referred to as an unidentified craft, mm -hmm. which completely outflew them. You know, Ten, to, 10 times to one. They couldn't understand what it was. Reported it as something very, very profound. What they were experiencing was the stealth fighter. Right. The stealth mm. fighter was manufactured and being flown in 1973. We didn't see it until it hit our television screens in 1991 during the Gulf War when everybody went, wow, you know, what yeah. America's got a new fighter. Yeah. You know, but we were flying it since 1973 and they, and they did peak pilots against them. They never told the pilots because it's like when you're in the army and you go on a 12-mile hike through the forest, they're not going to tell you you're going to get suddenly jumped by Alpha Squad halfway through the training because they want a real-life scenario to play out so they know how you react. And this is exactly the same thing with pilots when they're encountering these things. I think they're competing against some of these uh, exotic crafts. I don't think they're the, the pilots who are in them. I think they're... They're very specialised drones, which can fly at incredible speeds. Well, there was something uh, on the yeah. online the other day I noticed. It was a, I don't know how old the footage was, but it was from the Senate in the States, where the Senator Blumenthal was talking about people out there don't know what's going on in space. Now, I don't don't think it was necessarily re referring to alien, mm. but it was referring yeah. to maybe the technology that different countries have got at the minute. And right, people yeah. just aren't aware just how dangerous this technology is yeah. and what's going on. It's about time people There's knew. a lot. There's a lot probably going on. I mean, I know that obviously um, the American is not just the ones that are into high tech drones. You know, the the China is and Russia is. In fact, there's a bit of a drone war going on in technology now at the moment. Mm. You know, because these things uh, we can fly them at incredible speeds because we don't have to have pilots in them. It's um, as simple as that. Like you say, you know, if they're um, not but, put out there, how how do we know if they exist? And then we see them and we think, it, you know, we're just presuming it well, could I be mean, something they're, else. They're always going to think, well, you know, we don't mind people shouting out UFO. They're not going to shout out exotic space experimental vehicle or something. <laughs> anyway. I mean, they, they fall on, they love that. They love it. It covers them. You know, so, you know, if people are reporting them as UFOs, then that's great for them. You know, but what's going on in space? I think there's a lot going on in space. I think, you know, America's wanted to maximise the fact that they wanted to, to weaponise space for years. Now, I believe that they've been weaponising space since 1965. The first weaponising space satellite went up in 1965 on an order of a military general. You know, and um, it was part of Project Blue, uh, uh, Project Blue Fly, which was the, the operation name. Now, that's all done very, very secretively. But then at some point, it's got to come clean. At some point, the, the technology is going to be given out, introduced to defence contractors, where the staff, staff will find out, staff will talk. At well, some times, these secret programmes have to become officially known. 
didn't Hillary so what, Clinton they, they say? They go and apply for it. Yeah, they go and ask for, can we put weapons in space? They got kicked out of Congress last year. The, the Congress said, well, we'd have to break the, 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 the 1971 Space Act for you to weaponize space. And it got thrown out again. Yeah. But I'm sure they're actually doing it. We're just not telling us. Yeah, but just bearing that in mind, I, I was just thinking, as you were saying there, Steve, that didn't Hillary Clinton say that if she was voted in, she would reveal sort of, you know, everything yeah. about mysterious flying objects, UFOs, whatever, if... She did say that. I mean, I think it's unlikely she probably would have been allowed to say too much. Yeah. But you know what? I think what she might have turned around and said, if she did uh, get presidency, she may have just brought forward this ATIP programme you know, and uh, and these, you know, these tic-tac type, you know, naval encounters. Maybe she would have brought that forward and everybody would have thought, wow, great she was. But really, what have we really obtained from them? Mm. Not a lot. Not a lot. I mean, uh, you know, that, though that is just a, another video or another photograph to add to the mountain we already have. It doesn't really give us any more information. But I've witnessed the truth, the truth phenomenon. I've seen it. I've experienced it over the years. And... Uh, I can say, you know, sometimes these are um, traversing a light phenomena. It's like a light phenomena. Mm. Um, they keep themselves aloft by using light, in a sense of speaking. According to the latest research on metamaterials, these yeah. bits of metals that have come from UFOs. And how much of this has been found, out. Steve? Is this there quite a lot of this metamaterial? Well, there's quite a bit. There's quite a bit. Um, they've been gathering this for quite some time, but we had to wait for the technology of analysis to catch up. You know, the, the things we need to analyse these things. But now we know as a certainty, which has been documented through scientific analysis, is that some of these items are manufactured from numerous different metals and it looks like they've been 3D printed. Right. Now, it's been also apparently 3D printed, in a sense of speaking, under a zero gravity. Like there's no gravity uh, associated at the time of manufacture, which is also weird. Strange. But what is interesting is that they said there was a 4% isotopic differential in the metals. And how I can explain that is, is that if we look at some of these UFO metals, it's, it's like silver, magnesium and bismuth and a number of others. Now, we do have silver, magnesium and bismuth on planet Earth. And we have silver, magnesium and bismuth on, on planet Mars. Mm. But when we look to how to identify them, they have this unique signature. Earth's signature has a zero isotopic difference. We know it's terrestrial. But when it's got a 4% differential, it means it's similar items, but it's not come from Earth. It's come from somewhere else wow. and not terrestrial metals. So that, though is, we can that isn't anything we haven't been introduced or told about. It's definitely from another place. Yeah, it's got to be. The isotopic differential means, you know, we, sh we should have, at, well, 0.5 is the, is the range to think, okay, it's in the longer acceptance, but 4%, 4% means it's simply the materials we recognise, but they're not come from terrestrial planet Earth. So as to where they're coming from is a big question. But what they discovered was through further analysis is that when they flooded these pieces of metal with ter terahertz frequency of light, now terahertz frequency of light, we, we only see two elements of this, and that is drawing the sun and during sunrise, when you get that kind of orangey glow, mm -hmm. that's yeah. terahertz frequency because it's been filtered by Earth's atmosphere. Now, when they've light blasted these pieces of objects with terahertz frequency, some of them became 
weightless. Some of them actually hovered until they switched the lighting off. Wow. But when they switched the lighting off, some of them very quickly fell to the floor and weighed up to 700 times more than what they should have done for a short period of time. So it's, the light is somehow changing the effects of the metal into different weight categories from being up to 700 times heavier than it is to completely levitation, lighter than air. You know, so this is what we do know currently through the analysis. It's been put out by Hal Puthoff's team, you know, Professor Hal Puthoff and a number of others throughout these Texas labs. So how have they found this material? Is it supposed to be crashed ships or just elements of this that have been found? Or Well, it's supposed to be parts from uh, alleged pieces that have fallen from UFOs, pieces that have allegedly come from crash sites yeah. or impact sites. Um, and I have to say, some of them are, are, are really weird. And, uh, you know, it, we're looking at a technology here referring to metamaterials. It means it's a cocktail of metals that makes a new element not on the periodic table, uh, which reacts in such a way that it, you might be able to call, uh, create anti-gravity, free energy, even, even possibly even invisibility by bending light around itself. You know, so they're, they're all working on that sort of stuff now because they're, what they're desperately trying to do is get it into the military, into military, uh, into military form mm. used for the military. You know, that's what they usually would do first. You know, and then uh, in many, many years to come, we might find it, you know, 50 years down the road. That's quite mind-blowing, isn't it, to think, you know, oh, that'd yeah. be a massive Fast. giant leap to understand something oh, a, like well, that we and do how it works. Have them. I mean, we look at the microwave oven and Teflon and suddenly we always think, I mean, look at, look at the fibre optic. We take it for granted, yeah. the fibre optic. It's light information travelling at the speed of light and you think to yourself, that's really good, but where the hell did it come from? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no idea, you did we? <laughs> you just accept it <laughs> and what it does. It's it's fascinating where suddenly these things arrive. But the likelihood is, is that the military have been utilising, you know, fibre optics for at least 50 years, if not even longer. Well, I, I was thinking, you know, man went, walked on the moon, supposedly, the, the year before I was born. I'm 51 now. And to, to see this, whatever rockets we're using now, has been that the, the, the up-to-date technology cannot be right. I mean, you know, because to me, you know, you, in the 1950s, people would think of, of, of 2021 people in flying ships and God knows what else would be doing. <laughs> but in reality, it, yeah. it looks like inner space has got bigger with, with the internet and stuff like that. But generally... The world of the 1950s isn't that yeah. big a difference to now in comparison with the 1950s no, back right. to 1900s. Yeah, absolutely yeah. Right. you know, you're absolutely rightly because the thing is, what happened is, I think after the Brookings Institute was done uh, their report on about should we tell, should NASA reform the general public about extraterrestrial civilizations, content, things like that, the seemingly technology as as we as it is currently up to date, took a sidestep. And we were kept on the lower steps. And we were, the general public only fed information about, you know, where we are in the standard of technology, when in fact, we're 50, 100 years in advance of that. Yeah. It kept and, it almost... and these two run side by side. You're absolutely right. Yeah, the same technology of taking man to the moon and the Saturn V rocket is really no different than what we're even looking at today in the, yeah. in the year 2021. Something's not quite right. 
I mean, it might sound a bit naive of me to say it, or maybe it's just my perception, but it almost feels like sometimes uh, the release of information or the interest in it just kind of goes in um, waves. You know, it's like um, mm. the internet can chase off UFO believers, I guess, you know, they, oh, they can use that. Absolutely. And, I mean, I was we were looking at some stuff like Paul and I were chatting about in the 1990s when the X-Files came along. That kind of almost was a bit of a resurge of... Encouraged it again. Yeah, interesting people. Um, it did. And yeah. I guess stuff like that. I mean, I know when I was looking at some statistics, it said that in 1990 there was a poll and 27% of Americans believed in UFOs. And then by 2015, it revealed that 45% of people. So I wonder what changed, you know, why... It was yeah. nearly double the, the media has a very good way of changing the figures. Mm. I mean, we had the same thing in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. Came out, you know, huge influx in UFO interest, mm. thus a huge influx in UFO sightings and so on and so forth. And we have that with, you know, with the X-Files and other things. It is very media-driven, but they utilise the media. The governments utilise media to push information out. And they went to great extent to put out they saw this UAP stuff in the New York Times, of all things, and the Washington Post. These are the two newspapers who would never, ever touch that subject, ever. And yet, suddenly they are all front pages, you know, because it's seemingly that they were in cahoots with the Pentagon in regarding releasing the information, yeah. which makes me very, very suspicious, you know. Um, I, I don't know where it's going to end up. You know, what everybody seems to be talking about is about the threat at the moment. Yeah. They, they, they must be a threat because they've been flying in our airspace. Well, our airspace? Is it yeah. really ours, you know? How long have these things been around? You know, we don't tend to get many collisions with aircraft, even though that sometimes they are seen in the vicinity of aircraft. You know, what threat really is there? Or is it just a device that, well, there is a threat and we need another $30 billion to plow into the black, black budget programs uh, of secret testing and stuff and exotic crap. Mm. Um, you know, it could just be a money plug, you know, for the defense program to say, look, you know what, these are these are dangerous. We're in our airspace. We need to know more about it. Here's 20 billion. Yeah. <laughs> Why are they suddenly you know, dangerous he... now and haven't been for thousands of years? Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. They know that this phenomenon's been called back. I've got an old document here and it says from 1944. 45 and 46 on it and it stipulates that they reckon they went back 40,000 years that was on that document in 1945 wow. a military document and it goes back a thought further than 40,000 years of course because we do know we've got all these ancient sites all around the world which the civilizations have been sites all taught of the same thing you know all sorts of sky people coming down from the skies and yeah. interacting with them now, unfortunately, at that point, we had a couple of uh, technical difficulties and uh, we lost Steve Mera. But we will be getting Steve Mera back on a future episode somewhere down the line and we will be looking forward to that. So that's another episode of Into Unknown UK with Foxy and the Lamb. And next week, we have a very special guest in Randeep Sea with all things crystals, magic, shamanic healing. You'll love it. Until then, goodbye. The truth is, the only visible object other than the sun that can be seen although planets I myself did not see the planet's visible.